Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. It's C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day again today. Very pleased to introduce you to some special folks today. We've got a special edition of Top Docs Radio. We have uh, several students and uh, learning specialists from the Swift School in uh, here in the Atlanta metro area in Roswell. And um, they're a school that helps students that have had some challenges learning in their classroom uh, and uh, were determined to ultimately have some um, uh, brain types, uh, including dyslexia and some others, that uh, were affecting the, the way that they were able to learn. But uh, at the same time, in spite of having some challenges with uh, some particular learning styles, uh, they actually have very high potential. These students all test out with uh, great uh, intellectual potential and and schools like uh, Swift School are able to help these students actually achieve their potential and indeed thrive and go on to uh, bigger and better things academically. So I'm really happy to get a chance to share some information for those out there in the community who's got a student maybe that's having some challenges and uh, folks are saying your student can't learn. Uh, that may not be the case. So I'm, I'm very pleased to introduce you to the folks in the studio today, and, and we'll get right to that. Um, with me in the studio is Middle Division Director for Swift School, Carol uh, Madden. Thank you for having us. And uh, we've got learning specialist Lena Armorer. Lisa, Lisa. Lisa Armorer, sorry but for that. Um, and our students, we've got a couple of fifth graders. We have Mackenzie Day. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Mackenzie. We have eighth grader uh, Grant Meyer. That's it, yeah. Hi. <laughs> and uh, a student I've known for a few years, we have Olivia Hall in the fifth grade. Thanks for being here. And, um, you know, Carol and Lisa, we'll start with you all. Tell me about, you know, what it means when we talk about brain types. Uh, that seems to be kind of the, uh, a key feature in, in these types of students. Uh, and it sounds like as we go along that uh, more and more is being learned that many more people have different brain types than maybe originally was thought. It's not necessarily you look at a school full of people um, that have great potential but had some challenges learning. So tell me about the brain types and what that means and, and how we get to that place in terms of finding out if that's us. The latest research that has come out over the last few years tells us that what in the past was determined to be a disability is actually a brain type. Um, most of your schools in America are designed for people who are very left-brained. And what we're finding is that those that are diagnosed with dyslexia and some of these other language-based uh, processing issues are that is that most of the activity is actually occurring on their right brain. They're much stronger on their right brain. And what SWIFT does is we tailor our instruction to those right-brained individuals. Um, we use the Orton-Gillingham method of instruction. We know that these children can learn. We know that um, there may be some outside issues such as maybe a, a slower processing rate, there may be some working memory issues. So we know that we have to make um, 
concessions to that. We have right. to really look at how they're learning, what they need, and with the Orton-Gillingham methodology that we use, we focus on really breaking those tasks down, especially when it comes to learning the rules of the language. Um, and as they move into middle school, we're really working on making sure that our instruction is sequential, that it is repetitive, that we give them the extra time that they need, that we take care of things. We also also have sometimes have visual issues, so they may have visual processing issues, so we need to know, make sure that our, our spacing on our, our assignments, our assessments, things of that nature are also geared so that their um, processing needs can be met as well. So, But we are finding that it really truly is a brain type. Um, when we look at the neuroimaging research that's been done in the last few years by professors such as the IDES, we know that um, that right side of the brain really lights up when they're asked to do things like reading or writing, anything having to do with that, that language-based mm -hmm. learning needs. Uh, you know, I find it interesting how the, you know, someone who's right-brained, you know, needs to see and experience and hear things maybe a little differently, um, perhaps more tactilely, or maybe they have some motion going on while they're learning, uh, different interesting things. Um, and you talked about the w working memory issues. So, for example, you know, the, the when you look at a SWIFT school, for example, uh, it's not that it's easier material. We're learning the same material. We're learning the same concepts that students in a public school or traditional school setting would learn, but uh, we're maybe going about it a little bit differently. You talked about working memory, for example. One of those challenges that comes along with that, I know because we've experienced it, and that is, you know, learning your math facts. You know, when you're, you know, in those early couple of grades, second, third grade, and you're learning your math facts at addition, multiplication, division, all of those, you know, by rote, you know, looking at flashcard after flashcard after flashcard to look at them and you know finding your your student very frustrated because I should know this everybody else knows this and I'm having a hard time I, I knew it a minute ago and now it's it one of the things I heard frequently it's on the tip of my tongue and you know and it truly is um, on the tip of their tongue and, and from what I understand and correct me if I'm not on track but it you know one of the things for example um, that we do in you know in the Swift school is maybe we don't focus quite as hard on the math fact itself and recognizing that this particular set of students may have an issue with memorizing a math fact so we accept that that that's something that we can work around because we give them some tools that they can use to have access to those math facts and over time as they continue to use them they certainly begin to imprint those and begin to memorize them over time but if we were to wait for that student to be able to, for example, m memorize a set of math facts, then the, being able to apply that into concepts, you know, they're way behind. Um, and, and or they're having to put so much processing power into just the simple math fact that it takes forever to conduct uh, a, a math equation of some kind. Am, am, I, am I thinking correctly? Well, this is the thing. Yes, you are. Uh, this is Lisa Amore speaking. Historically, education was not in four walls, a four wall setting. And if we do, as John Dewey said, if we teach today as we taught yesterday, we rob our children of tomorrow. Everyone uh, is different in their learning, their thinking, their experiencing. And so what we do at SWIFT is you're bringing the language, you're bringing the math, you're bringing this, you're bringing it alive so that the children are engaged, they can feel it. And not just 
through rote memorization, through what I call rush, stuff, and flush. We don't want to do that. We want the young people to be engaged and not only as learners, but also as future teachers. And that's why SWIFT, Swift is not designed like some of the other schools to be a fix. It's not about a fix. It's about understanding that everyone learns differently. And one out of five students throughout the world are dyslexic, but oftentimes they are not diagnosed and that creates a great deal of trauma, yeah. trying to fit a square peg in something that is round. It doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't. Yeah, and I know that these, you know, the schools like, you know, there are others obviously in the community, and, and you know, folks know about them uh, as well, but, um, you know, one in five students, that's a lot. I mean, do you feel like that that may just be the tip of the iceberg? Do you feel like there's more than one in five? How do we get to that number? I mean, because my perspective, I'm like, gosh, I, I didn't have any clue that there were so many students that had such high potential and yet at the same time had a challenge trying to, you know, get their arms around either mathematics or reading because they have some dyslexia? Well, oftentimes I think what, what the challenge is is the way that educators are taught to teach, are instructed, but you have to have one methodology. And if you use OG, if you use differentiated instruction, if you incorporate other methodologies based on the way the child learns, you will see a lot of results. You know, you and, and what happens is, look historically, not just at Georgia, but all around the world where so many people are failing, they are distressed because they are not being taught the way they need to learn. If you wanted to teach your child how to bake a cake, you don't say, here, read the book. What do you do? You engage them in the right. process. Right. And when it comes to, you know, if we can con contrast or at least compare, you know, what we get at the Swift School, we obviously are dedicated to this learning type, uh, a brain type that requires, you know, this type of learning. What resources are available to the kid who's not fortunate enough to be in SWIFT school, for example? I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, special education, for example. It's what it's always referred to in the public school systems. Uh, what does that mean? It, does, it, it seems to me that uh, it ends up being a little different than what we're doing here. Children in the public school system who are diagnosed as having a learning need typically um, may receive one of a couple of different uh, avenues of instruction. They may be pulled out of class into what we typically is called a resource class where they may have four or five or six students in a room. They may be um, included. It's called an inclusion where they're maybe in a setting where they're in a full classroom but there are two teachers. Depending on the area of need, uh, they may or may not be served in a math class. They may be only served in a language class. Uh, I think the issues that all people run into uh, in these other settings. We, we have some exceptional special ed educators out there. They work hard every day, but a lot of the, the bureaucracy running the public school system really effectively ties their hands. Um, my background is in special ed and public school and also general ed, and those teachers, as hard as they work and as much as they really want to do what's right for their students, they're not always allowed the freedom to do that. Rather than being able to meet a child where they are, like we can do at SWIFT, um, they're often expected to treat them as if they're on grade level. And you may have an accommodation of maybe you have a smaller workload, um, maybe you get extra help in the afternoon, but they don't really address the root of the problem. Um, it's almost like, you know, 
accidentally slicing your arm open and trying to put a Band-Aid over it rather than really right. taking care of the actual issue. Um, and at SWIFT, we do go by the Georgia standards. We are teaching, um, you know, the material that, that other students in the state of Georgia are learning, but we're, we have the freedom to go about it in ways that we know work, ways that we know make a difference for our students. Um, you know, Grant right now, he's an eighth grader. He is doing eighth grade math, the same math curriculum that, uh, you know, every other eighth grade student is doing. We were just talking about exponents on the way over here, <laughs> how much he hates them and how much I love them. Uh, well, they're long gone from my memory at this point. Um, you know, we've been talking with the learning specialist uh, and teacher from uh, Swift School. We've got Carol Madden and Lisa Armour here helping us learn a little bit more about things like uh, learning types and brain types. Can you, can you share just a little bit of information? I mean, obviously they're deep topics, but uh, can you... T- Tell for the listener out there who's, you know, maybe looking into, you know, uh, resources for their student. What is what does it mean to have dyslexia? What does it mean to have working memory issues? Some of the types of hurdles, if you will, that uh, that a student can can deal with that brings them here. Well, part of it has to do with their working memory, their processing, their understanding, the way they see things. Sometimes it's the way they feel things. Uh, I think that it would be good if we have the students tell you what their experience has been because each person, each child is different in their experience with dyslexia. And that's something that we try to do over at the Swift School. And I think we do it very, very well is to continuously learn that it's not a quick fix method. Unfortunately, in the public school setting, you're not going to get that. Oftentimes, the educators, even though they may are well-intentioned and they make good faith efforts, they don't have the time and the resources to put into helping the children. So dyslexia being one of the issues that in when I read something, look at a written document, then my brain is kind of not receiving those symbols correctly it's kind of things may be flipped around backwards b's become d's or you know transposed in different ways is that kind of well i i wouldn't look at it as just it being flipped around because oftentimes people assume that that it's uh, based on just seeing things differently uh it's often the pattern as well because reading has been a late development it's not something that we do automatically if you were reading chinese or or japanese you're you're reading the symbols the symbols you're trying to equate the symbols with the sounds that you're making mm-hmm. and that is something that comes through repetition in time but oftentimes the children's the children are not connecting the sounds are not connecting with the symbols that represent the words and that's a pathway in the brain that's exactly. causing that Exactly. That issue, and when you talked about working memory, what exactly does that mean? It means that if I tell you my phone number right now, and a moment later you have a hard time remembering, is that what, that, can, Th- that you know, could what, be? What what it exactly is working memory versus ability, like long term? Your memory, your ability, the ability of your memory to work at a pace that society says it needs to do it right away. Okay. What is the name of your radio program? Top Docs Radio. Okay. How often do you say Top Docs throughout the program? Eh, once or twice. Once or twice. Now, that may be good for maybe a few people, but other people may say, well, what is the name of that program? We need to hear it all the time. It needs to be consistent, just like when we read signs in the road. You have to have a visual component, that, and, and not only that, a visual component, but it has to be something that they're engaged in. Do you so, see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Okay. And, you know, tell me how, you know, how does a student, you know, who's fortunate enough to end up with Swift, because I have to say mine is fortunate to be here, um, how do you transition? What takes you from that classroom to you, you, you would benefit from this 
learning approach? You know, what is the process? Because, I mean, I know, for example, we had to go through psychoeducational uh, testing, for example, to determine what, you know, what was going on, what was affecting our ability to learn, what kind of potential did we have intellectually. Um, but, you know, obviously struggling in the classroom, falling behind, not being able to perform like peers do. How are they identified? And then from there, how is that, you know, what's the typical recommendation? I feel like not everybody that we were encountering in the traditional learning setting was saying oh maybe you should consider you know it wasn't it wasn't right there it wasn't uh, perhaps this student you know your your child could benefit from a psychoeducational analysis and uh, perhaps maybe you know one of those things how do you what's the process is it just that they're falling behind and and how early do we start seeing it for us it was pretty early is that pretty much the case for most kids I think it depends on the child. Um, some children are able to develop coping mechanisms that they're able to employ and so they may go a lot longer, they may be able to make it in school a little bit longer than someone who does not have those same coping strategies. Uh, we typically see diagnoses starting to happen around second or third grade. Mm -hmm. um, some are earlier. I think it really just depends on the severity of, of the learning issues. I think usually probably the first thing that, that parents will notice is that children have difficulty remembering their letters or learning their letters. Mm -hmm. um, or it may be that they do okay with that piece of it, but when they start having to put those blends together, those, you know, the vowels and the consonants, and they're actually beginning to learn, you know, to read the word cat, for example, they may not be able to do that. Uh, so it, it really, it can, it can vary from student to student. Um, I think, you know, for anybody who is concerned that their child may have reading difficulty, I, you know, the psycho, the psychoanalysis. Thank you. That word just went word, right yeah. away from me for some reason. Um, I think that is definitely um, an effort that is well worth a parent's time to try to, to see because they will spend that time with the child they'll you know a variety of different tests can be done to really pinpoint where the problems are um, now you know public schools will do if they go through the uh, response to intervention process they may go to a student support team um, and if the recommendation is made if the screenings are done at the school level and the school thinks that yes this child may need a psycho a psycho evaluation done they don't always typically do the in-depth right evaluation that an independent or, or private psychologist right would do. and that's what we had um, to do is we right. went to a, a psychologist mm -hmm. to, that conducted the test and it was right. you know it was a battery of mm -hmm. things it was a long process right. for that day and they typically also um you know there really are, are five main areas that the public schools look at they look at reading fluency, they look at reading comprehension, they look at ri written expression, and then math calculations and math reasoning. And they don't really go any further than that. So you may have a diagnosis of a difficulty in reading comprehension through a public school, but that's not getting to the issue. You know, there are a lot of different things that go into that comprehension um, that it, it really for parents who are really have a true concern, they really should probably take it a step further and go to a private. Yeah. Go ahead, no, I was going to, hi, this is Lisa again. I also wanted to say, oftentimes the children are diagnosed as lazy. Yep. 
And, and that's what I was just going to talk okay. about was, was right. you, know, it, you know, based on my own experience and a level of frustration that I saw in, in, in Olivia along the way, it would seem to me that many of these kids are misdiagnosed or mislabeled as either behavioral problems um, or something along that line uh, because they, they are frustrated. It's very challenging. I, 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 you know, I, I saw more pain uh, expressed about learning than I did when she broke her leg. Uh, it was one of the hardest things I, got, I had to see. And um, I can, uh, you know, imagine that that's pretty common among students who are having challenges like this when they're trying to struggle through a learning approach that's not effective for them, um, that it, you know, they begin to, you know, have a hard time <laughs> just being a calm student, you know, and, and uh, expressing, you know, some frustration or, or you know, w emotional type responses. Well, the thing is, is that, this is Lisa, uh, the thing is that school oftentimes gets in the way of learning. And what I mean by that is not only are the children diagnosed as being lazy and having behavioral problems, what happens is if you have a child who you know is bright, they can do something very, very well, well, how come you can do this well, but you can't do that well? Right. And that becomes problematic not only for sometimes the parents, but the teachers and for the administrators as well, because oftentimes we don't know how to say as adults, unfortunately, we don't know what to do. And, and we don't know how to, to help our child. We don't know how to fix our child, which is what we want to say. And right. then the child tunes into that energy because children are very vibrational and they want to know, well, how come I can't do what my younger sibling is doing perhaps? Because no one has said, okay, this is the key. This is what's going on. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You just have a different type of learning style. Yeah. And there's energy involved in that as well. And many times teachers have ne neither the time nor the energy or the capacity to do what needs to be done to benefit the child. Yeah, and as part of the psychoeducational analysis, one of the things that they look at uh, on the children, in addition to how they read and comprehend their memory skills, all those types of things, they do conduct an IQ test to, to, to give us, you know, basically, uh, I, I, I guess what they're looking for there is, is there, what, what, is, the, what is the predicted mental potential if you will to to learn on a high level and i and and from what i understand the students that end up in a swift school for example are those kids they score high even though you know i think in the end that that number has a relatively limited value but but in the end they 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 believe that these students have great capacity and potential for learning it's just that like we've talked about here they've got a, a they, they need a, a particular learning style and so once the student has been identified we're, we're having some struggles the the parent uh, engages a, you know ideally a psychologist who conducts psychoeducational testing and it's determined yes your student has high potential but they have some dyslexia they have some uh, dyscalculia mem working memory whatever it may be um, and they end up at a swift school Take me through what we're doing, you know, in terms of what does it mean in the, in the student's, you know, classroom? Or, you know, what, what things are we doing a little bit different? Are, are we, is it volume of work? Is it um, what kind of tools are we getting to use? Because from what I understand, that's one of the things that we're doing. The school goes to eighth grade. You know, we have an eighth grader here with us who will be going back to a traditional setting, you know, probably after this year by, the, by what I understand. So uh, from, what I, from what I gather, part of the process for the student is giving them the ability to talk about where they need this or that to, you know, to help them learn. They can advocate for themselves in, their, in the learning process um, so that, you know, they're able to help a teacher 
teach them. Is that is that right? Talk about what it's like to be a student now once we get to SWIFT. Okay, one of the things that that we tell parents is, and this is my second year at SWIFT, and I was told this also coming in summer before last, oftentimes when a new student comes in, um, they're a little afraid. You know, they don't know what to expect, because yes. anybody would be in any new situation. But within two to three weeks, we start seeing a difference. We meet them at carpool every morning. We shake their hand. I we love smile that. at them. Yeah. And a lot of times, these new students, you know, it's hard for them to make eye contact. You can just see the worry. You can yes. see the, the stress on them. But within about two to three weeks, you start to see a different child. Yeah. You start to see a child that gets out of the car with a smile on their face. Yeah. A child that is now looking you in the eye, shaking your hand. Good morning. How are you? Right. Um, and then, you know, and that's because what we do with them in the classroom is so geared to what they need. And, how, you know, how do we go about that? Well, when they come in, uh, we do a few assessments of our own. We do a Galistel Ellis test, which lets us know, you know, how do they actually break down words? Are they able to break down words? Can they tell us what this con- what sound this consonant blend makes? Um, we do a it's a dibbles it's a test of oral fluency we do reading comprehension tests we do a qualitative reading inventory on these students so we really get along with the copy of the psych eval that we have we also have this other testing that we do and they're all short tests they're not you know stressful times at all you know most of them can be done within just a few minutes but it really gives us a snapshot Mm -hmm. of what these students look like when they come to us Mm -hmm. we do work very much on advocating for themselves we teach them you know, we tell them, I'm sorry, we go through and help them realize how they learn, and then we teach them to tell their teachers that. You so know? when I go on to ninth grade, what, what kinds of things might I clue a teacher into that will help both of us? I'm so glad you asked. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> we graduated nine eighth graders last year. Um, three are at public schools, and the other six are in private schools. Three of one, three of them went to one school in particular that is geared for learning differences. The other three are at fairly rigorous, um, you know, traditional what you would think of as a tra- traditional college prep school. Right. And we keep hearing from their parents about how well they are doing. So, um, you know, we're we're able to reach these students and help them learn strategies. In the middle school, it's all about strategies. In the lower school, they're really getting a, getting a handle on those rules for reading the, um, you know, how do you break a word apart, the vocabulary. In middle school, we work on Greek and Latin roots. We work on reading comprehension. We still work on reading fluency for those that need it. And then we also are working on you know, they're, they're working on grade level in science and social studies and mm-hmm. math and language, but it's teaching those strategies and teaching the children to understand what they need. Um, and that comes, that's kind of a discovery process for us. And when the students do transition back into the traditional learning space, I, I'm, I'm curious why it doesn't go, you know, why this type of learning style doesn't go all the way up to high school graduation um, and you know I was curious because is it mainly that these challenges once we give these strategies that really kind of empowers them in that traditional learning classroom um, to be able to function and do you know not require the the type of learning approaches that we're employing at a Swiss school is, is it just because that younger student from say the middle school down 
could benefit from these types of strategies more so and then be able to advocate for a you know particular piece in a traditional setting is that what you're saying that by I that point they're absolutely. able to do that yeah because you know what to ask for I you see. know how you learn it's just they can't do it at the younger ages exactly gotcha. and and they and i want to also say is that at the swift school if you well you've been of course but you walk into an environment that is welcoming yes high expectations and where your child will be loved mm-hmm. and cared for and you can feel it when you come into it's not like they're going to a special needs school yeah they are coming to a school where you have very specialized teachers more than more than sometimes two or three in the classroom not just two in the classroom and where the children know that they can ask for and they will receive what they need you know sometimes it's a matter of space do I may I go outside in the hallway and sit on the floor and 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 do my assignment may I lay down so I can uh, uh, hear what is being said differently and all of that works, but because they are not in a box. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because, you know, my kid, you know, once we'd been at Swift for a little while, was like, you know, I'm at an easy school. And I said, no, you're not. You're, you're <laughs> not at an easy school. You're learning the same things that kids at, you know, a Holy Innocence or a Love It, when you, you, know, you name the, the, the public or private school. You're, you're learning it in a way that your brain wants to learn. Now you're getting to experience school the way you should be able to. Um, you're getting to learn at the capacity that your brain has, and, and they're teaching it to you the br- way your brain wants to hear it. And that's why it seems, quote-unquote, easy. But what you're learning conceptually isn't easy. It's the same thing that everybody else is trying to learn. Exactly. We just had, within the last two months, two of our eighth graders that graduated last year have had conversations and one of them actually came and spoke to our seventh grade parents um, about why it's important for that eighth grade year for them to remain at Swift Mm -hmm. and they both said while we were here we thought it was easy but we realized when we got to high school this year that it's not that it was easy it's that they were teaching us in the way that we needed to learn and it has made a tremendous difference for them in high school. Well, before we, you know, meet our students here and kind of hear a little bit about their story, you know, do you have some pieces of advice, uh, you know, as educators who, you know, interact with, you know, children with these types of uh, uh, brain types that require the learning that you offer? What, what kind of advice would you have for a person who's just now starting to kind of experience some challenges? Their child is maybe struggling a little bit and they're looking for answers. What, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say, first of all, they do need to have evaluations. You need to check with the child's teachers to get the information on where the child is, where the child needs to be, based on what the teacher's recommendation is. Oftentimes, our children do not look good on paper. Uh, they're brilliant, <laughs> right. but <laughs> you're laughing. Right. But but they don't look good on paper. Yeah. Uh, and to get as much information as you can from where the child is at this time, and also to make their own mental notes. What do you see? What have you asked them to do? What uh, are they able to follow through? Uh, are they hearing you? Do you think it's an auditory issue? What 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 do you see? And then go for it. But see, please don't. And and we crush many times our child's spirit. Parents do based on our need or the disease to please sometimes other people yes. or friends in a social setting. Um, and to brag about the child. Yes, your yes, child it's is. It's easy brilliant. to feel like a failure or somehow yes. that you're. 
you know, less than uh, as an adult, if your child is not on the honor roll in my traditional exactly. learning setting. Exactly. Um, I, I certainly understand that. And, and um, you know, I, I, I didn't deal with it that way so much for me personally as a parent, thankfully. Um, it was really more for wanting my kid to feel happy and be able to enjoy school as they should be able to and not be dealing with that you know the social awareness now well, I'm getting this grade and everybody else got that grade oh my gosh what's wrong with me that's that's just for me that that was the worst part it wasn't the grades that my Good. kid was bringing home Good. it was the pain uh, exactly. of, of that experience and and that's what I wanted to disrupt and oftentimes parents are so focused on the grade I have taught uh, children of parents uh, who are educators and you know they want to know what is the grade what is the grade not what they learned or can they learn or what their abilities are but what is the grade and we are so focused on this and to the point sometimes when I say we I mean in, in greater society that it paralyzes us yeah. and the ability of our children and you transfer that energy onto the child which is unfair and it many times it becomes very traumatic yeah, I, I, I certainly saw that in my home. Um, you know, like I say, harder tears from the, from upcoming division math facts than from a, you know, pretty good leg break. So, you know, it's, um, you know, I'm hopeful that f folks listening will, uh, if their kid is having some challenges, to not fret so much about the grade. Try to find out, is there a reason behind it, and is it, would a different learning style, as they would find here um, at, at the Swift School, um, you know, would that be the thing that takes my kid to the next level? And don't don't label your child as lazy or stupid or, or learning incapable. disabled. Yeah, all, all <laughs> I love those all those terms, labels. All yeah. those terms. Please yeah. just throw those in in the trash. Yeah, I, I like you know when you conceptualize it as, as a brain type. I mean, you know, this brain is different than that brain, and, and this this person needs to hear this information this way more, more to learn it more effectively than that way. And, right, and because the SWIFT model is to cultivate the student, right. the whole learning environment. Yeah, not and create a special situation per se. And I think one other thing for parents is that right brain type brings with it a lot of areas of strength. Yeah, creativity. Um, we see creativity. Yeah, we see artistic. strength in the arts. Yeah. We see strength in you know, medicine, science, yeah. and math. Yeah. Um, find find that strength because when you build on that strength, and that's why we're introducing some STEAM programming into the middle school, um, is to build on those strengths. Because when you build the strengths, you're also building the neuro the neurological pathways that will help with those areas of need. So find the strength. Find something that your child can shine in. Well, you brought with you today a, a student that's getting ready to. Uh, say goodbye to uh, Swift School. Move on to the to the big bad world again. <laughs> um, you know, want to introduce him to us and uh, you know let him tell his story. This is Grant Meyer. He is the president of our student council at Swift and has been quite the leader for us over the last couple of years. So yeah, um, I think in kindergarten, I had a friend and he was reading the Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's something just, I would say. Let me just make everyone laugh real quick. Um, but the Harry Potter series in kindergarten. And at me, I could barely read the word cat. So yeah. I instantly felt almost left out. And um, that was in kindergarten. So you were wondering, why can't I do yeah, that? Yeah, I was, I was like, really? And then... So the stress from almost fitting in, even in kindergarten, was already there. And it just kept building up and building up. And um, 
here comes second grade. I think that was when I got tested. And as soon as I shadowed for Swift, a really good buddy of mine who now lives in Texas, um, he was my shadow buddy, which basically he showed me around and I went to every class with him. So he was a Swift school student. Yes. Before I even met him, he hugged me, (laughs) (laughs) which was like, I didn't know his name and... He knew your deal, though. He, he knew he my knew deal. What yeah, he knew what was up, and so he showed me around. He he pretty much taught me the quote-unquote Swift way, and then next year I came to Swift. Um, so now, when you were shadowing with him, was that during the school year or was that, that in the summertime? That was during the school year, and then I went to uh, Swift School's kind of summer camp. Basically, it's a uh, it's almost in a way it's like a fun su- summer school, <laughs> um, if that. But, so I went to that, and I meet a past 8th grader, and he was really nice. And I just felt loved, even over the summer and shadowing. I just felt, I almost fitted in, and through through 3rd grade, I didn't really fit in, but, um... Well, you know, at what point, I mean, did, did, what were the other students like for you whenever you were, you know, before you got to Swift? Was it, you know, I know you, you, you described the fact that it was inside of you, certainly thinking, gosh, they got that w- score or they can do that. Why can't I do that? But were the other students treating you different or was um, it really more of something that you dealt with inside? Honestly, that's a hard question. Um, I think that it was a little bit of both, but the the students really never pressured me and i had i had friends there and and i would have to um go into a class and there was a kid with me um who also just had dyslexia and he wasn't special needs at all but i was sent for like language arts or like two subjects to a complete other class and i was with kids who had asperger's and kids who just had more disabilities than right. dyslexia but right. me and this one kid who just had dyslexia and sadly he hasn't made it to swift but um we were just sitting there and we wouldn't really get the chance to learn because the whole class would be there's this one guy who locked the teacher out of the room which <laughs> right. is uh which is a wonderful thing <laughs> and we're just trying to get our education and so so you yeah, you and your your peer had some you know, dyslexia or, or, you know, challenges like that, but the other children that you were being, I guess, getting some special assistance with also had some uh, some physical challenges mm-hmm. on top of maybe what you're describing, and that would keep them from being able to learn effectively is what you're saying. They had some real true behavioral problems that were, for, were behavioral problems, not just uh, dyslexia or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and just like Lisa Mora said, um, it is different for everyone. Uh, especially me with learn or reading, I think because I remember driving in a car and I had to read a whole book and it was a decent sized book and I read it. I read at least 15 chapters in an hour and 30 minutes in my head. But if I was reading out loud, it, I probably would have read fif- 15 chapters in three hours. And that's just something for me. And um, and some some dyslexia, some kids who have dyslexia can read very fluently and have trouble with math or right. like it is all different. But um, so I was put in the class, and it was just try- It was harder to learn almost than 
just because there were so many distractions mm-hmm. on top of everything. But yeah. um, So were you nervous when you were getting ready to go to Swift, or were you looking forward to it? Um, I, I was nervous. I was really um, – I was kind of scared more than anything um, of just starting something new. And – uh, growing up, you always heard, oh, it's a private school. Oh, no. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I went there. The first year, it was it was good. The teaching was incredible, and um, one teacher is still uh, one of my teachers today. But um, I instantly felt like I was actually learning, and before that, when I got sent to the other class, all my friends who didn't have dyslexia were kind of like, where are you going? And they didn't really understand. Right, Um, right. So So now you don't have to do that. Yeah, now, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about now that you're getting ready to, after this year, you'll be, you know, moving on to a, you know, as we say, traditional classroom. Do Do you have some ideas about what you might be able to share with a teacher Um, how this will help me, this will help me, or, you know, I'll do better if this. Yeah, um, I do believe that in general for a teacher to teach, she, and I'm obviously telling their job to them, but they have to almost, every teacher cares about their students, but they have to show that they're going to care for them. And that's what the teachers at Swift really do. And they show... They're almost like like another mom. They mm-hmm. they treat you really nicely. And um, if other teachers don't treat you nicely, but they, they are still trying to teach you, but um, you could stuff, like I said, I have trouble reading out loud and also um, just all that stuff. And Swift, you kind of find who you are when you go to Swift. And so I didn't really know who I was. I didn't know. I didn't know uh, how I could learn. I just thought I can't learn. So now you don't feel like you know the the challenges that you work around that kind of got in your way early on. They're a negative thing. They're just this is just you know it's like somebody who has diabetes that has to take some insulin. You you have this or that that uh, that you work around as it relates to the way your brain likes to learn. Is that kind of how you exactly. see it now? Yeah. All right. Yeah, what's happening, this is Lisa Mora again, is that what you just said, the negativity, you're reducing what's called in linguistics and language, with whether it's first or second language acquisition, is the effective filter. And that means you're bringing them into an environment where they know that they will be cared for. And not only cared for, but attempts will made attempts will be made to make sure that they know that they can learn, right. that their confidence level is yep. built. You have potential, we'll help you reach it. Not, why can't you do this? Right. And, someti- <laughs> and sometimes the teacher does need to be locked outside of the classroom <laughs> Yeah, door. I have to say. Well, we have uh, uh, with us uh, in the studio a couple of fifth graders, too, one of which I know very well, and the other one uh, is a friend uh, uh, of a friend. So... Uh, Let's meet Mackenzie Day. You're you're a fifth grader at at the Swift School. When did you start uh, at the school? I started about in the middle of last year. So um, you came in the fourth grade. I'm sorry. Yes. Th- yeah, okay. And you were in a was it a public school, private school before you came? I was in a public school 
And before I came to Swift, I used to hate school. It was so hard for me. What was hard about it for you? I wasn't getting the help I needed. I felt like everybody else was just doing better than you. Was just doing better. And I felt that I was like left out of everything. And everybody had friends and I felt like I never really had many friends. But um in second and third grade I actually got two teachers in second and third grade who helped me. My second grade teacher was named Eileen Hollinger and she had a son of her own named Ethan and he was actually the same age as I was and him. <laughs> um so he she knows what it's like to have a kid struggling. So. so was her son at Swift or a school like Swift? No, he was at Chalford Falls. She's a teacher, so she gotcha. knows like how. So she kind of understood a little bit about what you were dealing with and was able to kind of work with you. Yeah, it really helped. She was funny, but yet she helped me, and it just really helped. She was the one who got me learning, and still I didn't love school, but I had something to look forward to every day. So talk about what your experience was like once you got to Swift. You went through the, oh my gosh, I've got to go to a, no, a new school. I'm sure that was kind of nerve-wracking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but once you got there, what was it like? When the first day I was here shadowing, it was really fun. Well, I was nervous because I didn't know anything about Swift. I had no idea what we were going to do or, like, how it was going to work. Um, so um, they called my person down, and her name was Carly. I forget her last name. But she was really nice, and we I was in Miss McClenny's class for a part of the year, and then... Um, I ended up switching to Allison Hirsch, Hirsch's class, and Celia Cross and Samantha Spinano. And I actually have Spin Samantha Spinano for my math teacher this year, and Celia Cross as my homeroom teacher. And Miss Hirsch. She actually is, I get to see her every day, except for the weekends. Now, when you when you were at school before, and, and you would, when you compare before you got to Swift to here, is there a, 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 you know, a subject that maybe was really difficult for you before that you get into Swift now, and you're like, gosh, I'm, I can do this? Well, to be honest, all of them were hard, but <laughs> yeah, I hear you. reading and math were the hardest. Yeah. And now math and reading are my favorite subjects. That's awesome. Um, and I really, I look, I don't like getting up early, but I still love, I now love school. That's Let's awesome. Just make it start at nine. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk to them after Maybe the show. Maybe We'll we'll get on the horn. I agree. With <laughs> we'll see what we can <laughs> do about that. <laughs> you want to introduce me to your to your fellow neighbor um, here? Sure. This is Olivia Hall and uh, her dad. Oh, that's me. That's right. I that, I knew she looked familiar. So we've got <laughs> fellow fifth grader Olivia Hall and actually daughter of the uh, show host. So tell me, 
for you, kiddo, what was uh, what was life like? You know, I know you enjoyed your school where you were before you came to Swift. No question about that. And you were very, uh, very sad um, to say it lightly that when you when you found out that we were going to switch schools. Um, so can you take me through what was what life was like in school before you got here? Well, it was fun and all, but the it what also brought me down was I didn't have very good grades, and I thought I was just I was dumb, I wasn't smart, and I thought I couldn't get any good grades until I came to Swift. That's tough for a kid who's in second grade to be thinking. Um, you know, and, and tell, talk about what it was like when you found out you were going to be changing schools. Tell me what that situation was like. I remember very well. Well, it was difficult because I didn't want to leave my friends. and. So you were really, really upset, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> and And so what was it like for you when you went to, you know, check it out? I It was nerve-wracking. I didn't know anybody there and a lot of the kids were wondering who I was because I wasn't wearing the uniform and stuff, so they were wondering what I was doing there. And then when I got into the class and when I met my buddy, she was really nice and stuff, and she helped me and showed me what they did. So you had somebody that you kind of sat with, like like Grant was talking about, that you shadowed, and they kind of showed you, this is how we learn this, this is how we work on that, and you were like, oh, does, did it make sense at the time, or it was just like, wow, this is really different? Yes and no. Um, um, and the funny thing was, my buddy, she was in my class the, when I went there the next next year and we kind of both stared at each other for a while like do I know you <laughs> and then we both were like hey you're I was your buddy and you were and I showed you around and stuff well so for you when you look back on school before you got here and to now what's something that for you before was gosh I, I can't do this to now it's wow this is actually pretty easy Math was really, really difficult because I had not so good grades and what I sometimes had a really, really bad grades that I had to redo the whole test and I thought I was just, I couldn't do anything and because when I did get another grade, it wasn't good, it was just better than the one before but it wasn't it still wasn't very good right and so what's what's it like now what do you what kind of are you seeing that you're getting good grades when you take tests and do your homework now yeah it's math I used to just hate and now I think it's fun because you get to do things that you didn't do before because they thought that really would they need to do is put their face in a textbook and read the things and then write it down and then take the test. Mm-hmm. Every time I'm in Olivia's class, so I ever know her reaction when she gets a good grade because every time she gets a test back or a quiz, when she gets a good grade, she starts smiling Woo-hoo! big and she's like, <laughs> and, and, and the teacher's like, don't say, don't say anything. It's like, don't give it's any hard. expression. Now, it's do like you- hard to do not, like not smile or put a 
sad face on if you get a bad grade or a good grade. Yeah, it's hard to kind of play it straight. It, each of you described, you know, coming to the school and getting to kind of shadow some other students. Have you had a chance, I'm sure you have, Grant, to actually be that person now who's on the swift side, seeing that kid come in kind of starry-eyed, oh my gosh, where am I at, what's going on, I'm scared, I'm nervous, what's going on, and, and getting to kind of give them advice. Have you had that chance to do yes, that? Yes, I have, um, and I'm sure this happens to most if not all kids who shadow at least after 10 minutes of meeting the kids at swift you're not nervous anymore you're just like woohoo i know everybody here and yeah, I got friends. swift kids and teachers and the faculty and everybody at swift wants you to go there at the end of me sh getting shadowed um they're like recruiting the you. whole yes the <laughs> whole class and the teacher, I was told next year that the teacher did not tell them to do this. The whole class wrote, I can't wait to see you next year, notes to me. Oh, that's and awesome. At that time, I didn't know I was going to school uh, to Swift, but um, they were just like, come back soon. And it, it really got to me, and it just made me really happy that somebody was showing I can only imagine what that feels like to have a classroom of kids say man we want you here what about you Mackenzie and Olivia have you guys had a chance to actually kind of see a kid come through where there was a boy or girl trying to figure this whole thing out am I going to be here what's going to be like no because all, every time somebody came to shadow it was always a boy and I don't think the teachers would put a girl. Oh, so they put boys with guys yeah. and girls with girls. False. I shadowed a girl. Oh, well, <laughs> you just haven't had your chance yet. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: if, if you all get the chance to to meet one of those students, boy or girl, whatever it may be, who comes into your class and they're they're like you were, they're they're coming from whatever school it is, to see if Swift is going to be the place for them. What would you say to that kid today? Um. Don't be nervous. It Almost everybody that came here and did shadowing, it was pretty nerve-wracking, and everyone went through it, and we all know what you've been through when you did shadowing and that you shouldn't be afraid because, like Grant said, after 10 minutes, you're like, woohoo, I know everybody. <laughs> and I think uh, I would say the three magic words, which is it only gets better Right. Um, ever since I shadowed. It's just been an uphill of emotions, and yeah. I can see it in your face. How about you, Mackenzie? What would you tell the boy or girl that's nervous and sitting here in your classroom thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be here. What's this going to be like? <laughs> well, when I, was, when I actually switched classes, like Grant said, they all made me a card to welcome me to their class. Um, so it made me feel really good and I knew that I was going to make some good friends and I haven't gotten the chance to shadow anybody um I haven't gotten the chance to show anybody around right but I but people in my class have from last year there were several people and so I could tell they were like ner they were really nervous like I was I could see it on their face I could tell even they were smiling I could tell when they were like uh, what right. do I do <laughs> um and I just walked up to them and I said hey I hope you have a good day at Swift and I think you're really gonna like it oh that's cool yeah and like 
I can play with you at recess. We can sit next to each other at lunch. That's nice. And reaching out to somebody like that, that's hard to do. It's hard to do that when you're a stranger to go up to people you don't know and and say something to them and introduce yourselves. Yeah, I was a little nervous at first, but once I walked up and told them my name, I just got comforter every time. Yeah. Yeah. Once when a kid came to was shadowing in our class, he like had a really bad cut on his hand, but it was all wrapped up and he at first was really nervous, but later he told us the whole story because we all kind of encouraged him and on what to do. The word yeah. is the word is peer pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, only a good kind. Yeah, a good kind. That's right. So for you all, you know, before we have to go, obviously we were, we've almost run through our hour here. Actually, the time always goes by so fast. But you know, for for you know, I'm sure at some point maybe um, you you probably remember Olivia when it was time where we were all you know taking a look at schools and looking you know started kind of landing and honing in on swift and trying to learn more about it um if if there's a kid sitting there with their mom and or dad um you know listening to this broadcast down the road um trying to decide is this a place we want to be what would you say to the kids sitting there with them i would definitely say if you're struggling in school swift is definitely the place to go they don't really care so much about your grades at first they want you to feel comfortable then the more you you feel comfortable then they start to care about their grades little by little and it was just like they didn't care they taught me slowly and they're still teaching slowly they they get faster every day and at my old school we'd go over something for a day or two and then take a test day or two take test quiz test quiz test just I was it was just like oh my gosh (laughs) how can I do this but when I came to Swift it was Swift has changed my life (laughs) and at my old school like Grant said I actually was in one of those special classes and I was actually in two of them Jean Harrison and Rebecca Ross and I'd like to um, thank them and Hmm. same with Eileen Hollinger and Amy Kenning those four teachers really helped me and they helped me start to realize this is what I need so that's when my mom and dad secretly started to look (laughs) for schools and then about a month or two later they say hey Mackenzie guess what we've been looking your dad and I have been looking for a new school for you since we think you need a little extra help and I said um (laughs) and a lot of times try to put on a straight face like no I don't how about you Olivia what would you say to that kid that's sitting here listening to this right now saying I do not want to go to school here (laughs) Well, a lot of kids that, if they're listening to this and they're having trouble with their work and not having, and they not having the super, super grades, but, and I would just say that it's always, it's scary and I understand that you don't want to leave your friends and you don't want to 
leave the school because you've been there a while and you know the place and then when you go to a new school you don't know anybody you don't know the place and what if you make a wrong turn and then you're like oops wrong place right, and right. then you don't know where you are <laughs> and then you don't want to ask anybody because you don't know them I do want to say that if you if any kids are listening to this um, which I bet a few are at least <laughs> um I do think that if you are having some trouble in school, like I already said, I really do think Swift is a good place because it it has helped me so much. I used to struggle so much. Now I'm either a B, very rarely C's. A's and B's are normally what I get now. That's and awesome. I'm just really <laughs> thankful that I'm able to go to Swift and. I really think that if you're struggling, you should check out Swift. It really is an amazing school. It I mean there you've got music, art, drama. All the grades get drama. Does first grade get drama? No. Mm-mm. Well, we have second. sports. They, they have drama, but <laughs> just in the classroom. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got the toy. How about you, Grant? Before we run out of time, what what would you say to that kid that's taking a listen today? Um. I definitely say, and I'm going to be completely honest, I didn't want to go to Swift. And if I had known what it was going to change me, um, like she said, it changes your life completely. And if if I had to choose, if if I looked back at my life, if I went back in time and I had to choose, should I go to Swift or should I know? I would definitely choose to go to Swift because it, it, it has made so many opportunities and just... Um, as soon as a door shuts, another one opens, and that's that's mm-hmm. really true uh, when it comes to switching schools and moving and yeah. everything. So. Well, it's awesome having you here. Thank you, kids, for coming out of the classroom today to spend some time here sharing some information about your stories um, and helping those kids out there that may be checking this out and thinking, ah, oh, I don't know, this isn't for me. It wasn't a hard <laughs> nope. It wasn't a hard. Yeah, you quickly yes decided you liked nope. it here. Yeah. <laughs> and and to uh, middle to division director at Swift Peace School, out. Carol Madden, thank you for taking your time out of the office today. And for the learning specialist, Lisa Armourer, thank you again for sharing your, your information you and your time us. with us today and bringing these students along. It's so cool to see these kids, man. They're they're, uh, they're they are scholars. They're, they're they, scholars. They, you know, they're they, they're becoming you know good citizens. You can really see that. One of my favorite things is dropping kids off at carpool and seeing you all stand out there and greet every kid face to face, shake every hand, smile, and say hello straight to each kid's face. I think that's very very cool. A cool touch. It teaches you how to shake a hand and look them in the eye. Yet yeah. it's nice to. The principals are so nice. Like Miss Madden, she's the um, middle division principal. And then Dr. Slapka and Mr. Wenlick are, like, just principals for everybody. <laughs> and the headmaster, <laughs> Richard yep. Wenlick, and the associate headmaster. Well, tell Dr. them real Slapka. quickly um, where they can go if, they, if they're if they not familiar with the website. Um, tell them where they go to, uh, to find information about Swift School. You can probably, the easiest thing is just to Google Swift School. I believe it's swiftschool.com is our website. Um, and you can also call the school and set up an appointment to come and talk to somebody now are you all on facebook and twitter 
We are on Facebook, yes. Okay, well, make sure that we link up with you on uh, Facebook and Twitter. And if if you're listening and you have not done so yet, please link up with the Top Docs uh, radio show on Twitter and Facebook. The handle is the same for both. It's Top Docs on BRX. Um, Link up with us there. Please share our information. You're probably going to help somebody that you know um, and care about. So uh, thank you again to the Swift School students and and learning specialists who took time out of their days today. And uh, Olivia wanted to say some one last thing here before we jump off. Well, what I think is very cool about the principals, they stand outside even though it's like freezing <laughs> degrees <laughs> and, or it's 90. And even though it's a temperature that they really don't want to be in, <laughs> have, that what they probably don't want to be in, they They're still do anyway. it. They, yeah, like Unless they're sick or have something really important to do, they're there. So give us a, a thanks for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thank you for having us, Mr. Hall. I really want to uh, appreciate it. You bet. Thanks anybody for listening. <laughs> tell them to move, anybody move who's swiftly to Swift. Yeah. Anybody who's listening, Swift has changed my life. That's awesome. And I hope you guys get the chance to check it out and maybe even go to it. It's really amazing. <laughs> Make sure you make us a part of your day next Tuesday, 2.30. We'll see you all same time, same place. Check you then. Bye. Peace out.